Father, we thank you today that you're so faithful. You're, you're so good. You're an amazing God. And, and, and you're so faithful, Lord, even in those moments when we can't see it, we can't feel it. We just trust you, God. And we're going to continue to obey and follow you. Walk with you. Stand with you, God. And we love you and thank you. We're standing, holding those promises. And we give you praise. As we turn our hearts to your word now, let your word come forth and minister to every need. Touch us, God. Minister into the depths of of our hearts and into this congregation, this first service. Lord, thank you. You know every person, every situation, and we just are thankful to you in Jesus' name. Now, can we celebrate in advance? Come on, this moments in His Word today. Moments in His Word today. While you're standing, let's read Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. We're reading from the World English Bible. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, let's read it out loud. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest indeed is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. Be seated, please for the next hour or two. (laughs) Oh, how I wish. So good, so good. As you begin to study the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ that's put forth by the gospel writers, there's so much to discover. In fact, you can take your a full lifetime and never really discover it all. But we do find and we make one discovery here in these passages in Matthew chapter 9, and that is Christ loved the multitudes. Christ loved the multitudes. He served the multitudes tirelessly during his three and a half years of ministry, public ministry here on earth. He he healed the multitudes. He fed them and He taught the crowds who followed him. Wherever Jesus went, we know where he was because multitudes would always gather. And with that in mind, there's another discovery to be made that's beginning in verse 36. It says, in this instance, when the Lord saw the multitude, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. You know, massive crowds can move us. You can be moved by a massive crowd. So what was it that Jesus saw which moved him to compassion? I think it's three times in the Scriptures in the New Testament we read that Jesus was moved to compassion maybe four, but this is one of them. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. What did he see? Well, first, 
He saw that they were defenseless. He saw they were defenseless. They were fainting. They were scattered. They were directionless. Then he saw their distress. Their distress. They were misled by false prophets and false priorities. He saw their despair. They had no shepherd to guide and to guard and to go before them. He saw their danger. He saw the dangers facing them of being scattered by sin and self and Satan. Jesus saw this. He perceived it. And it moved him to to compassion. He saw their danger as sheep to be sought, to be bought or redeemed and to be brought home. He saw their desire, people ready to listen to Him, to look to Him, and ready to learn from Him. Now, here's another discovery that we're going to make, which is so foundational to the message today. Upon seeing all of this, seeing they were defenseless, they were in distress, they were at a point of despair and in danger and seeing their destiny and their desire. Upon seeing all of this, what was Christ's response? What did He do? Verse 37 tells us He said to His disciples, then He said, then, at that moment, of being moved with compassion after seeing the desperate condition of the multitudes, then he said to his disciples, and here's the discovery, having observed all that he saw in this multitude and after being moved with compassion, and the word compassion means to suffer with. The word passion means suffering And the calm means to suffer with compassion. What did Jesus do at that point of compassion? He turned to the small group that was with him. He turned to the small group or to his cell, as it were, or his core. In Club 812, our cores, our our cells are called cores. Love it. He invited his core. He invited his his small group. Those seeing the condition of the multitude, he invited them to share in his passion. He uh, invited them to share in his yearning, in his vision, to get involved with him by praying, praying, to pray in harvest workers, to fulfill or to help fulfill his father's vision. And his father's dream of sons and daughters filling the earth, of the family of God filling the earth. For this is the dream of our father. One translation says it this way, verse 37. Jesus understood what an awesome awesome task, what an awesome task was before him. So he said to his disciples. So he turned to his small group. And said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers 
are few. Church, I believe nothing has changed. I believe that the harvest is plentiful. And I believe we need to pray in harvest workers. I believe small groups are meant to take such a significant role. I believe today Jesus is turning once more to our small group. And I believe to our core. And I believe it's, it's, it's the, the, our, our small group, our cores are meant to take, our cells are meant to take such a significant role in the realization of our Heavenly Father's dream. In Jesus' name. Today I want to continue part three on renewing. This is the year of renewal. 2021 is the year of renewal. And we're turning to learn renewing of our cell life. The renewing of our core life. The renewing of our small group life. Last week we began focusing on the question, why cells? Why cells? You see, once we know and embrace the why, the how will follow. We must be very careful to embrace the why before the how. We must understand the, the why. And we, almost, we also should understand the how, but we need to note the proper order here. Once we grasp the why, the how will follow. So to answer this question, why cells, we are taking the word cell, C-E-L-L, and we're looking at each letter to understand this amazing entity of the two-winged church. Now for many, this is a review. For a good number of others, it's new insight. Whatever category you fit in, come on, let's just reach up by faith and believe that God is renewing within us. God is stirring us once again. God is focusing our hearts once more toward our core. I love that. Toward our cell, toward our small group. In that realization that we have such an amazing part to play in the fulfillment of our Father's dream. That, our, that the earth might be filled with sons and daughters. Go and multiply. First words out of God's mouth to man. Be fruitful. And multiply. Now from the inception of the early church, we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 that they worshipped from the very beginning. Acts chapter 2 verse 46, they worshipped at the temple each day. Then it says they met in small groups in homes. So we have the temple and we have house to house. This is what we call the two-wing church. The two-wing church. We have the temple where they gathered every day. This is large gatherings, large expressions in gathering in large numbers. And then we have house to house, which is the small group expression, the core, the cell group. We've sought for many years at Nairobi Lighthouse Church to utilize both wings and our desire and our intention to, is to see this body of believers soar to the heights that we believe God is destined for us. I believe there's greater heights for us to attain. I believe there's greater things to be done in this city. I believe that God by His Spirit wants to renew and re, re, rekindle and 
for, for many, wants to impart anew, brand new, this understanding of the two-winged church. And thank God for the temple gatherings. I mean, fire is here today, bud. And I love this. I love this. I love this celebration. I love this coming together. And we're going to learn some things about this today. And I love the heights that we attain. And we're, we're believing after all of this season of this pandemic and all that we've had to go through and being distanced from one another, it's so unnatural. It's just so unnatural to distance yourself from people. And, and you can't hug. You have to elbow each other. How crazy has this been? This is just not family. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying. So I believe that it's time, church. It's time for this wing, uh, the, the wing of the temple, uh, and the, the wing house to house, our small groups. I, I, I think it's, and I believe it's time by the Holy Spirit for us to gain some lift and to be renewed and to be revived. Hallelujah. As we considered last week, cell, cells are the basic building block of the body, the basic unit of life that we were one single cell at conception. But then some 30 hours later, that cell divided into two. 15, roughly 15 hours later, it multiplied to four. And it's the basic unit of life, and this is true both naturally and spiritually. In the church, which is the body of Christ, the end result of cell life is community. The end result of cell life is community. Notice this. We have cell, and then we have community coming out from the sea. Community. Cell life is to bring us together in community, our goal being to provide a family atmosphere, a place for us to learn, a place for us to, to develop in our life as a believer by and through being together, through being together, through that connection. Hallelujah. It's fun. It's more than fun. It's amazing, actually. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7 portrays it. So beautifully it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Mm -hmm. And when you walk by the way, come on, doing life together, when you, and, and when you lie down and when you rise up, life. Amen. Now today we will consider the next letter of the word cell, the letter E. And that stands for enabling, enabling. Come on, take note of it, enabling. Produces community. We come together in community. And then enabling. The word enable means to make someone or something able to do. To make someone or something able to do or to be something. Look at this to make someone or something able to do or to be something, to make something possible, practical, 
or easy. To give means <clears throat> ability, competence. To make something possible, practical, or easy. To give means and ability, competence. That's enable. And we're going to dive into this today. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Jesus said, come follow me, come follow me. He told Peter and Andrew's brother, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I'm going to enable you. There's going to be such an enabling I'm going to make you into something. And your life will never be the same. Peter, Andrew, come follow me. Make the commitment. Lay everything else aside as we sang this morning. Give it all away. And set ourselves toward the purposes of God for our life. And Jesus said, come and follow me and then I'm going to make you. The word make, as it appears here, it means to form you. I'm going to form you. I'm going to fashion you. Peter, you're in pretty rough state right now. You're in pretty rough condition, but if you'll come and follow me, I will form you. I will fashion you. Now you need to get this. We utilize the two-wing church for equipping. We utilize the two-wing church for equipping, which takes place primarily in the temple setting, in the large setting. And then enabling, we utilize the two-wing church for enabling, which happens primarily in cell life in our cores, in our, in our cells, in our small groups. This is where we are enabled. This is where we are formed. It's in our small group. It's where we are fashioned. It's where we come together. Come on. It's exciting. It's in the two-wing church that we equip. It's in the temple setting primarily that we equip, which means to prepare someone mentally for a particular situation or task. Jesus, listen, when Jesus saw the, the multitudes, he understood what an awesome task there was before him. So he turned. He turned to his small group. He turned to his cell. He turned to those who were right around him. And he enabled them. He began to work with them. He began to, he began to give them opportunity to get involved with him in the vision and the heart and the desire which he possessed. And then he took time after calling 12 of them, he took time to equip them and prepare them in the temple in the large setting, impartation transpires through the pulpit ministry right here as we gather together through preaching and through teaching, through impartation. 
We don't just get up and preach sermons. We seek to impart the truths of the Word of God right here in this large group expression. All right? Sunday messages then form the basis of what is meant to be shared together in cell. The whole purpose of our coming together, the whole purpose of this gathering is to equip, is to take the Word of God and equip you. Not our words, but the Word of God. The Word of God which equips us. The Word of God which prepares us, which readies us to get involved and to fulfill what God desires to do in us. In the temple, first steps is imparted, which is the seven steps for new believers. So exciting. That happens in the temple gathering. Here at the temple, the encountering God season takes place. Don't you love encounters? Oh, how many of your life has been changed by encounters? Come on. That happens. Yeah, look at the hands. That happens right here through an an encounter weekend, which actually is in another venue, not this one, but an encounter venue or an encounter weekend followed by 10 weeks of basics for biblical living, pouring out during these 10 weeks right here in the temple setting. This doesn't happen in the small group setting. This is the two-wing church. This is how we sought to utilize throughout all of these years and what God is renewing in us now. In the name of the Lord. Can't wait for encounters. And can't wait for this encountering season. As we continue, the three levels of insight happen right here at the temple. In the temple setting, the large group expression, which is one year of advanced development and foundational leadership training. All of this equipping is done in a classroom type setting in which those in attendance are seated forward. Those in attendance, as we are here this morning, we're all seated forward. If you'll put that graphic back for me, please. I want you to see this. All the equipping is done in a classroom-type setting in which those in attendance are seated forward. We're listening, as you're doing so beautifully today, taking notes, Being inspired, receiving knowledge, receiving insight, going through insight and learning, growing. Our small groups, on the other hand, gather in a home with everyone seated loosely or casually in a circle where time is scheduled to interact, to share, to rejoice, to laugh together to cry and to mourn together. Come on. This is so important. And in this house-to-house setting and in this circle, the content of our sharing is taken from the corporate Sunday or temple message and it's brought to the house where the small group leader begins to break it down for the group to talk out and for the group to connect and to live out, to live it out one with another. Hallelujah. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. And we begin to see ourselves by the virtue of the two-wing church. We begin to see ourselves be lifted up. We begin to see ourselves 
going higher and higher in relationship development and, and, and growing together as the family of God, both here in this large group in the temple setting and then house to house or in our cores. Jesus is saying, now remember, the definition of the word enable is to make. Jesus is saying to Peter and saying to Andrew, he would make them to be fishers of men. The home is the enabling setting. It's where, it's where we take the word that is taught in the temple setting and it begins to form us. It begins to reform us. It begins to transform us as we're together. And it's in this setting that we're enabled to develop as an individual. We can't do that here. We can't develop you. And we're, we're all seated forward and we're receiving, but in the small group, in our core, in our home, wherever we're meeting, we're able to develop as individuals and within the group, not alone, but together with others. One of my favorite definitions of home is this. Home is where life makes up its mind. Home is where life makes up its mind. The place where coaching and mentoring and modeling is meant to take place. That happens at home, right guys? It's at home where mentoring and coaching and modeling is meant to take place. It's, it's at home that we create the ever-in-the-process environment. It's in the home that that happens. Cell life then is the setting where much of this making the bulk of the discipling, it takes place in the small group, in the home. You see, small groups are meant to be real, authentic, as the Scriptures allow us, as we gather together to see the real challenges and the shortcomings of men. Even in Jesus' small group, there were shortcomings and there were challenges. And we must remember we're all in the forming process. We're all in the making process. None of us except Pastor Nelson have arrived. The rest of us, we're just, we're just pressing on in there. And we're all being made. Come on. We're all coming to that point. Our desire and our heart's cry is for Christ's likeness. And that we connect as the family of God and we stand together as the family of God and we walk together Amen. Regardless of which area of, or what, to what degree of the process we're in or to what level of the process we're in. So often we're looking for a perfect church. So often we're looking for a perfect cell or a perfect small group. And indeed, it is perfect until you join it. Someone said, I just, I want to find the perfect church. Well, as soon as you join it, it becomes imperfect. Come on, we're not perfect around here. But we're striving for perfection. And we're seeking with all of our heart to see our church go to the highest heights that God has for us. If you're part of Nairobi Lighthouse Church, our heart's cry is that God would take us as, as a family, as a local body, to the highest heights He has destined us to attain. And we're doing all we know to do to see that possible, both in the large group, the temple, as well as being renewed in our house-to-house, -house, being renewed in our small group.
Amen. Our cell life enables us to continually develop as a believer. Our small group helps us to continually develop as leaders. And this is the intention of our cell gatherings. This is what we're looking for. It's in the small group that the tools and the opportunity are given. It's in the small group that the tools and the opportunities are given to grow a great man. To grow a great man. Be fruitful and multiply. That word multiply, you study it out to grow a great man. And a great man is a Christ-like man. And I'm speaking generically men and women. A great man is a Christ-like man. A man discipled. So finally, the why of enabling. Why? The why of enabling. Number one, ever learning. The why of enabling. It's an ever learning process through observation and participation. The enabling gives us this amazing opportunity for learning. You know, we're all learning. We will never stop learning. Ever learning through observation and participation. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9 says, keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Ever learning through observation and participation. The why of enabling. It creates that learning environment. It creates that environment for us. It makes it easy for us to participate. You can't participate here today. I mean, you just can't do it. We won't let you. This is our time to impart to you, to you, for you to receive. But we take what we're receiving and we head home. And we connect with three or four or whoever around in our, in our small group. And we begin to participate in what God is doing and what God is saying. Secondly, it's a place of being helped to grow and to be governed by God's Word and God's Spirit. Oh, yes. It's a place of being helped to grow and governed by God's Word and God's Spirit. The why of enabling. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we are asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and understanding which... The Spirit gives so that you may live lives worthy of the Lord, that you may live lives worthy of the Lord and entirely pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work and multiplying, come on somebody, multiplying in the full knowledge of God. Woo! Come on, that's, that's the enabling, that's the making, that's, that's the... Putting together, that's what's so amazing and so powerful. Making something very practical. Making something very possible. Making something, giving us the ability. Giving us that, that, that place. Thirdly, to become a responsible part. Here's the why of enabling. To become a responsible part of God's family. Partnering together. Partnering together. Philippians chapter 1, verse 5 says, I can do this because of the partnership 
we've had with you in the good news from the first day you believed until now. You have a special place in my heart. Oh, I love that. You have a special place in my heart. So it's right for me to think this way about all of you. All of you are my partners. Becoming responsible. The why of enabling. That we may take responsibility. He makes us and He fashions us and He forms us that we might become a responsible people. A responsible people who are part of God's family and we're partnering together. We're partnering together for our our small group is partnering together for our neighborhood, partnering together for our community around us, partnering together to minister to the needy and the hurting around us, partnering together to minister one to another and to strengthen one another. Love it. Four, why the why of enabling? Being a witness. Being a witness. Being a witness. And not for a single day, Acts 5.42, and not for a single day, either in the temple court or in private homes, did they stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Yeshua is the Messiah. Come on. Being a witness. We decree that your small group, your core, is such a mighty, mighty witness of God's transformation that those around you are seeing the difference. Those around you are looking at your life and, and, and they're, they're, you're witnessing of the amazing transformation. Number five, discovering. Here's the why of enabling. Discovering and fulfilling our purpose in God's kingdom. Oh, yes. Discovering and fulfilling our purpose in God's kingdom. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, I love this from the message. It says, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are in a kitchen. Come on, that's where, how many of you love the kitchen? Come on, that's a favorite room in the house right there. We love what, yeah, we love what comes out of the kitchen, right? We don't want to just stand in the kitchen. We want something to be produced up in there. Now it says, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Verse 21, become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. Come on to somebody. That's the why of enabling right there. And then finally, demonstrating to the world. Demonstrating to the world the why of enabling. Demonstrating to the world our love for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Demonstrating to the world our love for one another. John chapter 13 and verse 35. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. There's nothing, there's nothing so powerful as the love that God has placed in our hearts, not only for Him, but for one another. People who were unlovely, unlovable, are so transformed by the power of God, you just love being around them, love connecting with them. Everyone stand, please, if you would, as we finish today. This is 
This is the heart that God has for us. This is what God wants to do in us. This is where God wants to take us. This is how God wants and brings us, is desiring to bring us to a place of renewal. I want you to just join me right now as we finish today. And could we just take a moment and thank Him for the family of God? Could we thank Him that He has planted us in the house of the Lord, that He's placed us into His family, that we are part of His people? We're blood washed, blood bought. Our name's written in the book of life. And he's working by his Holy Spirit in each one of us. We're all in the process. Father, I want to thank you today and I want to bless you today for this amazing first service and this congregation of amazing men and women. Thank you for the privilege and the joy we have of being part of your great family. Father, in this year that we're crying out for renewal, we're crying out, Lord, that those areas of deterioration would be, would be strengthened, that, Lord, we would get rid of all that deterioration, that, Lord, we would, we would reconnect with your plan and your purpose in every area of our life, that there would be a renewing on the inside of us. And, Father, I thank you that you will renew our heart of love one for another, you will bring us, Father, and cause our hearts to be once more open and stirred by the Holy Spirit to reconnect. Lord, in this long season that we have been in, Father, yes, there are a number of small groups that have been caring and gathering and meeting together. And now, Lord, as we're all seeking to move forward once again as a cell church, I pray, Father, that you would cause each of us to come to that place of just supernatural, supernatural renewing and that, Lord, you would, by your Holy Spirit, continue to make us and form us and fashion us. You, by your Holy Spirit, would continue to deeply work in the, the, by the Spirit in your Word, take your Word and work inside of us, God, that we would stand together as your people. We would come together as your family, O oh God. And we would unite our hearts together, one with another, for our communities, for those around us, moving into the fullness of what you have. Lord, seeing your dream fulfilled and realized in the earth, and we give you praise and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate together. And give God the praise and the glory, everybody.